Hey, everybody. We are live. Hey. In full effect, baby. We are here. It is a beautiful day. Yeah. Although I'm a little under the weather. But you, you know what? I'm going to keep trucking along. You powered through. Yeah, dude. You got out of bed to come to Youth Alive last night. That's right. I was in bed what all day. night. I got out of bed at like 3.30. Got showered up and ready. Came in to Youth Alive. For our last student yeah. night of the year. Here at Bridgeway Community Church. Then I went yeah. home. And then today, got out of bed for this. And after we're done, I'm going to go back home. <laughs> You're just going to go back home. Go <laughs> well, let me ask you something. Do you have, like, room darkening shades? Or do you just, like, sleep? He has one of those big, pink, fuzzy <laughs> eye <laughs> covers <laughs> that he wears. says princess on the front. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, it has rhinestones on yeah. the outside. Uh, what color? Uh-huh. Yeah. There are lace Pink with white trim lace. Are we still talking about eye covers? <laughs> <laughs> we are here. Oh, this is a. Uh, um, we're trying out this new video feature. Hey, if you're watching us video wise, I'm gonna wave to you, because yeah, maybe that's the first time. Oh wait, I didn't even start recording it. <laughs> I started recording on this, okay. but not on this. We're okay. brand new at this video wait, thing. Let's do okay, this. so they're they're picking it. Hold on, okay. let's do this. Hang on. All right. Okay, All right. now the video is Now live. video is starting. All so right. if you are listening to the audio, we started a little bit earlier. Yeah. But if you're watching the video, I'm going to wave to you. This you're is our very first. This is our third attempt at a li- uh, video recording podcast. Yeah. Uh, we failed the first two times. <laughs> Actually, this is our fourth. Yeah. First two, we started recording. They f- failed halfway through. Third time, didn't even get up off the ground. Yeah, we were just... Fourth time, here we are. Fourth time's a charm. All right. We're here today. Uh, we're here with our guest, our buddy Mitchell. What's up? How you guys doing? Mitchell Goldstein, uh, who I like to classify as having the best voice yeah. on this side of the Mississippi. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell's voice gets people pumped up immediately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I... I knew I had a unique voice at a young age, but I didn't realize, like, I guess it keeps developing as I get older, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I couldn't change it if I wanted. People were always like, are you sick? Like, <laughs> are you okay? You're like, no, I'm just passionate I'm about like, life. I'm just, I'm good, you know? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> it's That's me. Really cool. Mitchell, how's your week going, man? My week's going great. You're getting ready for some trips. Yeah, a couple trips coming up. It's been a busy month working hard for Thursday morning, which is today. And uh, it just so happens that this opportunity popped up. But this was my first day off in a long time. Going to Chincoteague, Virginia for a couple days with the family. Sunday morning, I fly out to Canada with a buddy, my roommate, actually, um, Blake. We're really excited about uh, spending some time up there. Awesome. What part part of Canada? It's a guided Rocky Mountain tour. So we're landing in Vancouver, and then we fly out of Calgary or vice versa. Whoa. I forget which one's first and which one's second, uh-huh. but like a bunch of cool like hot spots they're taking us to. Is and it like adventuring around Canada? Yeah. Is it going to sightsee around Canada? What's the... Exactly. The like top sightseeing spots huh. between those two destinations. Um, it's like a railroad travel a couple days, um, hotels a couple nights. Would you group on that? Did you get it? <laughs> no. So my buddy Blake, his family, 
uh, his grandparents are getting older and grandfather has like dementia, Alzheimer's or both. And grandmother wants to spend time with them before it's too late. And this tour is like first class and there's helicopters rides and stuff. And they were like, you need a friend to do the itinerary with. So he was like, bro, you, wow, you trying to go to Canada? What a good friend, man. Yeah. I want a friend that I want yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, Blake. Yeah. Dante, oh. I feel like I'm a terrible friend to you now because I've never taken you to Canada. <laughs> it's all good, man. You know, one of the things you said mm, throughout that whole speech, you said Calgary. 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 That happens to be the birthplace of the best wrestler of all time, Bret the Hitman Hart. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Is this like WWE wrestling or yeah. is this like Olympic wrestling? WWE. No. Okay, so not, <laughs> no, not, not real wrestling. Uh, on contrary. Uh, <laughs> it depends how you define real. Yeah, it depends who you ask. Real, exciting, real. Okay. Real scripted. Dynamic. If by real you mean real scripted. <laughs> the actual physicality that it takes and athletic ability, then yeah, real of a professional wrestler. But, uh, yeah, if you if you're in Calgary, you should uh, look up Brett the Hitman. Is there a Brett the Hitman Heart like monument? I'd be surprised. Place memorial. I'd be surprised if there wasn't hmm. the Heart House, the family hmm. with he, where he and his eleven siblings grew up. I think the family doesn't have ownership of the house anymore, but I think it's they probably preserved it as like a monument. Some memorabilia. Yeah, is a it a big house for, for those eleven kids, or is it like? Sleep it's a big, it's a big house, but it's not like a. You'll have to tell us. After it's not like a mansion. <laughs> I'm sure on your first class tour of bit. Calgary, yeah. the one spot after the helicopter ride is <laughs> Brett the Hitman. Before Hart. we stop at the, yeah. he's the yeah. most famous. At a at a time in Did the nineties, what's this claim that you're about to make? <laughs> he's definitely the most famous person from Calgary. But there was <laughs> a time. Okay, that, that, there was a time in the late nineties where he was the most famous Canadian. Huh. Really? Who's yep. the most famous Canadian now? It's got to be Justin Bieber, right? Michael Bublé? Is he Canadian? He sounds like he's Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Justin Bieber's got to be the In most America, absolutely. Yeah. In Canada, yeah. probably Trudeau. for like popular Is culture, but they might say like there's somebody of more important value, if you ask Canadians. More important than Justin Bieber? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> well, probably Drake, for sure. Drake. He's Canadian? I think so. Yeah. He's from Toronto. Yeah, Toronto's winning right now, too. They're, they're even with the Bucks. I was surprised by that. He's giving back rubs. He's massaging coach. He's such... I, I don't... I will never forgive Drake because uh, Drake was present at the 2015 U.S. Open when Serena, Serena Williams lost. was going for the calendar Grand Slam. And she lost in the semifinals to freaking Roberta Vinci, who's like top 50 or 60 player. Lost to her in the semifinals. And you know why? Drake was in the audience. You she think was a little distracted. Can, you think that can really play a factor? For sure. For sure. How? Because I think it's bad. I think it's just bad juju, you know? I think it's bad. It's a bad omen when somebody who is not a tennis fan <laughs> is in the player's <laughs> box spreading all that bad karma around. That's just what I think. Yeah. Nobody can change my mind. If he wasn't there, she would have won. And that's what I'm gonna, that's the position I'm going to hold. Let's blame him. Speaking of sports, Dave, you're wearing a Baltimore Orioles shirt. Going to the game today. I went to the Orioles and Yankees game on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going this afternoon. Uh, they got an afternoon game, and we're doing some uh, uh, office team building. Bro, 
with some uh, some guys from the office to go and spend some time. So, yeah, I can't wait. New York Yankees. Yeah. You yep. know what? Me being born in New York, I've always been a Yankee fan. Uh, so it was great. My, my father turned 70 this past January. Nice. Uh, he had... He was, uh, in high school, a very good ball player. And there were scouts coming to look at him up in uh, New York. And um, he didn't, didn't decide to uh, pursue a professional career because he wasn't in love with it, but he felt a lot of pressure. And so he backed away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the historical context of this. My father, though, had never been to a major league game. What? Never been to a, a major league baseball. How is game. that possible with that part of that start origin story? It's shocking. Okay. It's shocking. Maybe this is a discussion for a different day, but there are many, there are many people. I, I don't know if I could say from New York. There are many people in the world, I guess, that what we deem as a, a normal experience and something that we do all the time. Many people have never done it before. Uh, and I, it's more so about probably where they're from and what is viewed as uh, on the plate experientially for things to do. Here's I'm, what you can do. Like, like seeing fireworks mm-hmm. or like <laughs> going to a um, professional sporting event mm-hmm. or, or leaving the country. Somebody told me recently, they, they're like mid-20s, went on their first hike. Yeah. Mike, what do you mean your first hike, mid-20s? They're like, we just never did it. I was, I was floored when I found out you'd never been to a major league game. And I found this out like last year. We were t- I was talking about his old high school days, and mm-hmm. uh, he'd never been to a major league game. So my brother and I decided to make this happen. So Yankees were in ta- come at, are in town now. Yeah. And so we took him Tuesday night, That's first awesome. game. Good seats. Great seats behind I mean, home plate. It was probably an empty stadium. O's aren't uh, packing the place out. But when the Yankees are there, then people show up too. People show so. up. When Yankees, the Red Sox are in town. Yeah. They'll show up. And uh, we were behind home plate. Nice. Would you believe? This never happens. You've been to games before. Yeah. You've been to games before. Yeah. I, I go to a few games a year, right? This, mm-hmm. I've never been close to a foul ball. Never close. Mm-hmm. Maybe the closest I've been was like a section or two over, right? Mm-hmm. We caught a foul ball. Hey. Whoa. Hey. My dad's first game, seeing the Yankees in town, and we catch a game ball. A Unreal. major league baseball. His what first player? game he's ever been to, and he walks away with a game ball. I kept, we kept telling him that when we were in the... After, he after he after thinks having, everybody catches a ball. <laughs> he's, saying, he's like, oh, this is nor He has no clue. We kept saying, Dad, this never happens. You realize that? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm like, no, you don't realize it. <laughs> you don't get it. Yeah. You and your brother were freaking out? We were, we were still texting about it this morning. We were uh-huh. like, yo, I can't believe we caught that ball. Later. Uh-huh. Yeah, so uh, that was a, a memorable thing. And... Uh, it was a very special, special night for us um, to to be able to uh, go to the park with our old man and, uh, and wow. see the game. It was awesome. And a win, right, for the Yanks? Yeah, eleven yeah. to four. Yeah. They were hitting well. Lost for the Orioles. What? <laughs> four Another to 11. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. It's going to be cool to get away for our afternoon game. I haven't been to an afternoon game in a long time, so that'll be really cool. Yeah. Hey, Mitchell. 
I got a quick question for you. Uh, what year did you graduate high oh, school? It's time. Hold the mic up to your to your mouth. I graduated high school 2009. 2009. 2009. Dave, what were you doing That's, in 2009? 2009, I. Uh, I graduated college after nine years in my undergrad <laughs> in 2008, and so uh, 2009. Yeah, the, I, I got, got married in 2005. So Ooh. 2009, I was four years in. I was working for the Navigators. I'm wrapping my Navs Cup today. Hey, oh, watching. True. Yep. And uh, yeah, 2009 is a landmark year for me. I I, I um, gauge historical events. Pre-2009, post-2009. What are you talking about? Because uh, 2009 is the year Michael Jackson died. So I, I rank historical events mm -hmm. pre-Michael death, post-Michael death. Understood. 2009 is like a marker. All right. Well, in 2009, Mitchell was uh, graduating high school. And uh, one segment we like to do is we like to pull up the top 10 Billboard hits of 2009. Yeah. And what we do is I'll give you the artist the musical artist, and you have to tell me what the song, what the track was okay. that made it to the top ten. Okay. So we're going to start at number ten and head down to number one, or head up to number one, and we'll see if you got it. Okay. Were you a music uh, a music fan, a music buff? Were you driving with the windows down in your car? I love in Western music. Howard County. I'm always listening to music, but my uh -huh. music is so narrow-minded it's uh -huh. the stuff i like i download i plug in my phone uh -oh. in my car and i don't listen to the radio i don't listen to spotify playlists okay so if it's if it's my genre maybe i have, you have, I have a, a bad very, feeling i have a bad feeling about this you have a very niched uh yeah. listening experience yeah. well, i mean it's it's I'm a couple of genres a it's a couple genres but it's it's what I listen to is that's it. Well, this this uh, top ten list looks like the play playlist to every wedding reception I've been to. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hopefully it's right. easy then. Okay. All American All American rejects. Uh, pass. <laughs> gives you hell. You guys know oh, that okay. Yeah. See your no, face on me. Gives you. Hell. I hope that's not at a wedding. Okay, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. All right. Kanye West. Um. All right. Kanye, 2009. Mm -hmm. What album are we talking? Do we know? Uh, 2009 um, probably isn't my dark, twisted fantasy. It's not graduation. No, I wonder that is. Heartless. Heartless. Oh, 808s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Beyonce. Beyonce. If I were a boy. No? No. Bigger. It, bigger. Is it a fast song? Yeah. And it's you can't get much bigger. Oh, is it single ladies? Single ladies. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Would you have gotten there? Uh, to single no. Ladies? When he said bigger, I thought that was the name of the song. Oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason Mraz. Are you were you a Jason Mraz? Right? Oh, oh heck yeah. man, this is terrible. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss them all. Were you a ukulele fan, mm. Jason Mraz? I'm yours. I'm yours. Yeah. Okay. All right, Flo Rida. 2009. 2009. 2009 was not a good, not a great <laughs> year for some of the top ten songs. Right round. Right round is the name of the song. Yeah. Mitchell, I feel like I got the wrong, the wrong quiz for you. Okay. Right? I, I dropped the ball <laughs> big time. Taylor Swift. I'm sure you're a big Taylor Swift fan. All you listeners out there, you know the Taylor Swift song just from name, 2009. Just name any, any Taylor right. Swift song you know. Love I was at, I was at 22, but I was 22 when that came out. But Love Story? 
No, I didn't do yeah. that. All right, Black Eyed, Black Eyed Peas. Uh, Black Eyed Peas, 2009. <laughs> yeah. Mazel tov. Uh, I got a feeling. Wow. <laughs> Mitchell might be the only guest to get none right. <laughs> right. All right, Lady Gaga featuring Colby O'Donis. Just Dance. All right. Wouldn't have got it. All right, the I biggest Lady song. Gaga song of I love the century song. is the next one. She hits number three and number two here. Lady Gaga. Poker Face. Poker Face. Wow. And then at the top of the list, Black Eyed Peas, wonderful musical artists that string together lyrics that tell all of our stories. <laughs> 2009? Boom, boom, pow. Wow. That was the number one song. <laughs> that was the number one That's song. why I was what listening happened? to my own music. That's why you were listening to your yeah. own music. Because that was a that garbage was coming top out. ten. I don't blame you. Of yes. 2009. Head round. Yeah. So. Flow rider. Yeah. That's the name of the song, Head Round. Right round. <laughs> right round. <laughs> head round. Yeah. Right round. I don't oh. know. So, all right. 2009, I, yeah, I wish, uh. I wish you guys put out some better music. So, yeah. But Mitchell, I've known you since, I'm thinking at this point, it's probably been like seven, seven years or so that we've really like gotten to know each other. Yeah. What do you think? Six years? Four uh, years? I, I think Maybe six years. Six to seven. I think seven, probably like six, six years. Six to seven is a good guess. Yeah. So when I first came on staff here at Bridgeway, Mitchell and I started getting together. And I remember there was this aha moment where... Uh, I was hanging out with Mitchell and I, I went home and I was like, oh, I met Mitchell's mom like five years yeah, ago. The book. And I opened up, I oh carry my around my notebook. Uh, for those of you that are watching this moleskin, I carry this around everywhere. And oh, yeah. I write notes down on it just so I can remember stuff. And I was, inter- I was hanging out in the lobby of the church and talking to your mom. And she was like, hey, when you get a chance, I want you to pray for my son, Mitchell. And I wrote down the name Mitchell Goldstein, and I had no context, but there was this aha moment, so I went into my archives and my books, because we were like friends at that point, and I was like, looked down, and I looked, and I was like, that's Mitchell Goldstein, that's the dude, so. That's so nuts. Yeah, it was so cool that our, our paths reconnected and crossed again. Uh, Tim Samuel preached on it, and it was like glory moments, like a moment that can only be explained as God, uh-huh. and that I feel like is one of them. You know, it's uh-huh. like we're buddies, like we're friends now. Like I really look up to you. We share life together, and you didn't tell me that story again for like years. Uh-huh. It's like I had completely forgotten about that. Uh-huh. You know, and you're like, dude, yeah. I found this book, <laughs> uh-huh. and you told me that backstory. And to me, it's like, man, that's a glory moment. It's crazy. It's so cool. Yeah. So it's been cool knowing you and being friends with you and, uh, and I guess growing up together over the past five, five yeah. six years. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So how about you give uh, everybody a uh, kind of update on, on your life and specifically where you work in these days? Okay. So specifically update in my life, uh, I feel like life's always a journey and it's got its ebbs and flows peaks and valleys but in recent times it's been the like god's been saying be still and know that i am god so uh i went and quit the job that i was not passionate about that i took for financial opportunity Mm -hmm. that i wanted to quote unquote help people you know i was a realtor and i'm like i'm gonna be able to help people make the american dream come true um, I felt like a filter and a doormat and that industry's tough and 
it, it wasn't bringing out the best in me. And uh, I took a job with less pay um, where I went into an industry, the cannabis industry, and I said, I want to get in the right company. I want to climb the ladder. I want to trust that this medical field of cannabis is not going to get shut down. And I want to help hope to improve human lives and do something I'm passionate about, which is something I've been passionate about for a long time, but it's kind of been hidden um, due to you know federal law and um, maybe some criminal charges I have faced along the way mm-hmm. due to my enjoyment of uh, the cannabis plant. Yeah. Yeah. You got the really cool shirt on. Can you show it to people who are... Yeah, so it's a, it says God is dope. Is that, uh, do you wear that shirt today for a reason? You know what's crazy? I've had this shirt for months, a couple of months, and I'm like, I'm going to wear it at the right time. Yeah. And some options have come up, like where I'm like, do I pull that shirt out? And I was like, nah, 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 because it's like all ripped up, you know? So yeah, yeah. I don't know how many times it's going to make it through the wash. <laughs> right. And, so you got to pick the, the And times. I didn't think about it yesterday. Like I'm packing for all these trips uh-huh. and I'm like, you know, cleaning all my laundry and I'm like... This morning, I'm like, this is the shirt. I got out of the shower. I was like, this is the shirt. Yeah. So, got it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for coming on to talk about uh, marijuana. and I'm excited about it. The, the journey you've had with when your marijuana use has been legitimate. Yeah. And when government has deemed it illegitimate. Yeah. And just your different stages of life where you've interacted with marijuana differently and just how you've seen it like change your, your mindset. So 10 years ago, where were you 10 years ago? 10 years ago, 2009. 2009. Yeah. This is my 10 year anniversary this year. Um, for high school graduation, um, 10 years ago, this was like a dream, but I never thought of reality. Um, I thought, Okay, California might do it. You know, they're medical, they're super progressive, but it's not going to be a wave across the country. And here we are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like it took so long. And then, mind you, I'm helping a patient that's, you know, been to Woodstock and it's his first time in a dispensary and we're having trouble with our point of sale system. And I'm apologizing. And he's like, it's okay, take your time. I've been waiting 40 years for this. Like <laughs> an extra 20 minutes is no big deal, you uh-huh. know? So to see how fast it's all rapidly changing is one, exciting, um, two, kind of mind blowing. Like I didn't, I didn't think this would happen. Um, the snowball's definitely rolling now. The snowball is, it seems Gaining to me. Gaining a lot of momentum. I mean, so much momentum that I'm buying stocks, I'm investing in it, you know? knowing that it's going to take some time and knowing that I could lose all of it if Fed steps in and shuts this down. Mm -hmm. But if they don't and it goes legal at some point, it's like getting into huge companies before, you know, before they're technically legal. And I think the risk reward, um, I think the fact that it, I do see the medicinal value in it. So I'm, I'm that invested in it that I believe in it for a medicinal, holistic approach to medicine. Um, but as far as the business opportunity, I see that also. And I wanted to get in on the ground floor. That's awesome. So 
uh, just the stats of this recreational use across the country. Ten, this is recreational ten, use? Ten states have approved recreational use and medical use. It's what, like 23 or something like that? Somewhere around that. I'm not sure. But federally, it's still uh, classified as a... What class is marijuana classified in federal... Schedule job? one. Schedule one. And that's like schedule one's the lowest or schedule one's the highest? Uh, schedule one's the worst. It's the, like, that's the <laughs> worst level. Yeah. Things like heroin, LSD, cocaine, class two, like yeah. one step down, fentanyl, morphine, opium. But schedule one, even higher than that, marijuana. That's a whole different podcast as far as like what's right, like which ones need to be rescheduled. Um, that's crazy to me. Fentanyl is a lower yeah. grade yeah. than marijuana. Yeah, you'll, you'll get a lesser charge. They're t- basically, the, the mindset they're, they're saying is if, if you're going to get caught with one or the other, get caught with fentanyl instead of marijuana. That seems a little crazy to me. That, yeah. does, that seem, does that seem wrong to anybody else? <laughs> so in this case, it's not really the, the effects that the drug has on you. Why would it be a Schedule 1? Is it because of... So they say the one, one difference between Schedule 2 and Schedule 1 is Schedule 1 uh, uh, drugs do not have a valid medical application. So Schedule mm. 2 drugs do have a valid and medical application. And what's on that list again? Fentanyl, morphine, opium. Those have a, have a valid, they're legitimized. The government has okay. legitimized it. And then the government has not yet legitimized any kind of valid medical application okay. for marijuana. So that's what puts it at that schedule one. Let's talk about the medicinal uses of it. Okay. Um, you being in the, uh, the industry now at the dispensary, what are, what are some of the uh, symptoms that medical cannabis, medical marijuana could... Uh, help to mitigate? I think the first biggest one that's tangible, noticeable is seizures. Um, with CBD and small traces of THC in the tincture. So a tincture is an oil that goes under the tongue. Uh, you would drop, uh, for instance, one particular one is four drops under the tongue, hold it there for a couple of minutes. It's going to absorb in the veins in your mouth and then you swallow it. And I know a buddy that comes to Trilogy, the place that I work, and he was having multiple seizures a day and is now like an average of three weeks making it uh, without a seizure. So he might have one a month compared to two a day. And that to me is, you know, validating. Um, It's got to be life changing for him. Life changing. Absolutely life changing. And he comes in there and... um, Does he have a prescription? Yeah, you have to. Everyone in the state has to be prescribed. And we're in um, Maryland. Um, certified. And in Maryland, it's legal for medical use. Legal for medical use. Right. Okay. Yeah, the state has a list of qualifying conditions, but if a physician thinks that um, your symptom can be relieved from the use of cannabis, their recommendation has superiority. So the state has like, hey, these, you know, these six qualify, but if a doctor's like, hey, you know, You've tried, uh, you know, morphine for pain relief. You've tried opiates. But if a doctor thinks, hey, I think cannabis could work for you, and if you want to try and get off of the Percocets or whatever it is that you're taking, let's try the cannabis. And that's another huge one is opiate use. Uh, People going from 100 milligrams a day down to 10 and, you know, still coming in Trilogy trying to eliminate that final 10. And we cheer them on along the whole way. We have a board in the waiting room that says, you know, how cannabis has changed my life. 
and we have these um, papers that patients can write either anonymously or write their name on it and post it up. Um, and it goes from mood change, you know, I'm in a better mood and I got a longer fuse and I can deal with people better all the way to, you know, I'm, I have Parkinson's and I can sign my name again when the time comes, you know, for a transaction um, as opposed to shaking and needing a caregiver through life. So, I mean, we could talk about all the benefits. Um, there's a lot of them. It's, it's absolutely inspiring. Do you have any like opinion as to why it is so demonized and, and like pushed, pushed into this category of like, of you could never legalize, like it's, it's more damage than it is good. When somebody like you sees so many of the good effects of it. Do you have any opinion or like, you know, perspective that I wouldn't have? Yeah, I have an opinion. I'm not sure how valid it is. Okay. And like, you know, back to So this, we'll, we'll just say study. this is you, right? Yeah, okay. This is yeah. me. Um, I think the government, when they first made it illegal, I think they didn't do enough research um, behind it. I think they saw the, the um, psychoactive effect that it could have. You know, because it can. If you get too much of a dose of THC, it'll make you wig out. You know, not life-threatening, but it'll make you uncomfortable. It'll make you have a bad experience. And I think maybe they saw that mm -hmm. when they tested it, and they weren't willing to do the scientific research. And maybe the technology now makes it easier. You know, to microdose and to to try it in smaller amounts. But I think they just made it illegal based on the fact that it had that adverse possibility. And then I think over the years when people started to shed light on its medical use, they didn't know how to monetize it. So the government was like, I don't know how to tax this, make money off of it, regulate it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they thought the opportunity financially was there, maybe in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now there's been a big enough wave, you know, enough people asking for it, where they're like, hey, you know, we put a little money into research and regulation, and this tax money can help the country. And if there is a medical benefit to it, which I like the medical aspect as opposed to just recreational. You know, if you're benefiting from it mm -hmm. and you're talking to your doctor about it um, and it's, you know, under close watch, I think it's awesome. If it's like, hey, turn 21 and you could go buy it, I think there's, you know, some issues at colleges. I think there's, um, you know, just like alcohol, I think there's some problems that could arise with federal regulation for recreational use. Gotcha. Huh. For some reason, I feel like that's probably not a, uh, I don't know, my gut feeling says that's probably a, a, you're a minority in thinking that the track is to continue with medical and not just like full legalization and just take all the stops out and just let it go. Like, is that true? Do you feel like other people in like who are looking to see more legalization would just say, quit restricting us like we're just going to do whatever we want? Um, the business hat, the CEO hat, when I put it on, is like, oh my gosh, that's the stupidest decision ever. We want rack because it's going to blow the roof off and build a skyscraper on the house that you know used to have a ceiling, and now it's wide open, like you know atrium up top that you can walk on. Because recreational use will turn a five to eight thousand dollar a day, you know, at a certain dispensary to twenty five to fifty. Um, so it'll increase your business six, seven, eight, tenfold. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as um, 
long-term impact. And that was really a conversation with my uncle, who's a cannabis user, a successful business owner. I didn't know he was a cannabis user until I was a teenager. Um, and over the years, um, we've developed a good relationship through it. And it was through talking to him that it was like, you know, what does that say to kids if you could just go buy it at 7-Eleven? You know, if you could, I mean, maybe you'll still have to go to like a cannabis store, like a liquor store. Um, but what what impact is that going to have? And I'm not saying it's going to be terrible. I just haven't put a whole lot of thought into it and really um, developed a hypothesis beyond kind of where I'm at right now. And that's like, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So what do you think, like, I want to talk about the, a little bit of your journey from it being not legitimate to being mm -hmm. legitimate, mm -hmm. okay? Because your use of marijuana didn't wait until the government said, all right, Mitchell, you're allowed to, you know, mm -hmm. it started before that. And so I, I don't know however much of a timeline you want to give, yeah. but kind of your relationship with, with drugs and what how it how it has developed yeah all right so i'll start with first time i ever used cannabis how old were you uh somewhere between seventh and eighth grade That's and young. i was in the woods of my buddy kevin's uh uh kevin's oh, yeah, yeah, right, we'll leave his last name out. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh we were in the woods it was me kevin and dylan and they had all they both smoked before um, and it was my first time smoking pot and I smoked and I was like acting like I was feeling it, but I wasn't quite sure. I remember we were throwing sticks that were on the ground through trees that were like split that were like, you know, and I remember thinking like, am, am I high? You know, am I not? And then second time I was in Florida with family, smoked and got super paranoid. My, my parents were out, like all the parents were out and it was the me and my cousins and my sister at the house, and they had it. Yeah. I don't know how they got it to Florida, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, in an airplane or whatever, but they had it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. Super paranoid, washed my clothes, took a shower, brushed my teeth, and fell asleep before the parents got back. You know, I was like, uh, I can't talk to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, fast forward a long way, um, I, I started using cannabis daily, uh, like at age 16 through 18. Um, we got pulled over one time or attempted to pull over and I was 17 years old or maybe 18, 19 I was on probations and I ran, I jumped out of the car and ran for something that nowadays is decriminalized and like, even if you don't have your medical card, it's a ticket at mm -hmm. worst. Um, so it's been crazy from, you know, where I'm at now as far as recommending products for symptoms to you know hiding this this plant this drug and i mean the backstory and everything in between is a lot of crazy instances i mean we could talk yeah. a long what time does that about do to, what does that do to somebody when you're like you've got this thing now that's legitimate but before it was like this thing that you had to hide and it was something that people would like across the board you would be uh criminal you know it's criminalized mm -hmm. and it's at least in the church world, mm -hmm. you're told you're wrong. Like, you're wrong. You might even be restricted from certain, like, positions within the church because of something yeah. now. It's legitimate, like, a medical use. But before, not, back then, yeah. and that's, back then isn't that far ago, long, that long ago, it was like, it was like, you're, 
you're bad, you're wrong, you're like there's something negative about yeah. it. Um, what does that do to somebody on the inside? Being on this side now, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that our society is being progressive and advancing and taking care of some issues that benefit me. You know, this actually impacts my life, not only on the fact that I can get, you know, prescribed to use something that I think improves my life and I can turn it into my livelihood, you know, to where helping others and improving their lives can can pay my bills. Um, so I'm grateful that we're here. Um, when I was 17 and I had to hide it, I was um, angry. When I was 18 and an adult and 21 and it was still illegal and people are misusing alcohol and you know, putting me down for using cannabis, um, it, it, it feels a little hypocritical, um, but the stigma's there to where alcohol is socially acceptable, but cannabis isn't. So I'm not a super confrontational person, but if I were, I'd be having a lot of arguments, you know, defending what I thought was right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more just grateful that we're here now and it's like, let's keep pushing forward and, and addressing more issues that I think need to be fixed in our society. This actually touches a little close to home, uh, what Dave just brought up, because uh, just to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to your guys' relationship, uh, Mitchell <coughs> here at Bridgeway Community Church was a part of our youth, youth ministry volunteer staff. Um, was this uh, three years ago? Was it? Three or four? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Mitchell was serving with us, and there came a moment where I think Dave caught wind of your use. And I think it was our open conversation. It could have been. Well, there, at that there point. was there was both. There was there was yeah. a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but there was a slip up on my behalf as well. Let's on a social channel. We'll get into the nitty gritty in a moment. Okay. To give people. <laughs> A broad, a broad stroke of what happened. Ultimately, Dave asked uh, Mitchell to step away from serving and yeah. volunteering uh, his time with our students um, because of this. Mm -hmm. um, so let's let's revisit that. Okay, let's start here because I have a couple of questions as we go through this. First question for Mitchell. What was that like for you? Um, you're given your time, you're volunteering, you're helping out, um, coming in youth ministry. You know, I had you helping us out with doing some sound engineering, which is a passion area for you that you hadn't been involved with for a while and you were getting back into it. Um, you're the type of guy where, you know, you're passionate about doing things in life to make a difference in the lives of others. So this was an area for you to serve and get involved and do just that. What was that like for you when somebody like Dave that you look up to, that is a, a big brother figure for you, uh, he, he's leading this ministry, asks you to take a step away because of the marijuana use? Just kind of give us your, you can, you can be as unfiltered yeah. as you want. Okay. Put us back. I know you, you probably have a different perspective now. Yeah. Give us, give us a glimpse into what you felt at that moment, what was going through your mind. First emotion, disappointment. I was like, oh, man, because I loved it. You know, I loved serving, being a part of it. Um, second one was why. You know, I wanted to know why. And, like, 
I, when we left that conversation, that was my thought. I wanted to, I wanted to understand Dave, you know, because I respect Dave so much. Um, mentor, big brother, all that. One of the most influential people in my life, um, especially men that are older that have instilled good morals in me and like pointed me back to the right direction. Um, so it wasn't mad, you know? I was like, he's doing the best interest of the ship he's steering. You know, like, so why? Let me learn through this. Mm -hmm. And he was guiding his flock. He was protecting, you know, what he needed to guide and look after what he's being trusted with. And at the time, you know, um, that's a call you got to make. That's when when one of your, you know, one of your teammates, one of your soldiers is doing something that's against the code that um, breaks the rules. You got to hold them accountable. And there was accountability in that, and it, it developed into respect now, you know, big time. Because yeah. if I were to be in that position one day, uh, especially with youth, you know, like, like looking after youth and trying to raise them up in this society is a very important role. And it's not to be taken lightly. And now that cannabis is medical, you know, there'll be a different bridge to cross or address but if it were something that were against the code and i were in charge and it was somebody that was under my watch that was doing it i'd have to hold them accountable also yeah so you know That's i respect it very very mature uh outlook and response to it right however let me poke a little bit here <laughs> poke the bear <laughs> let, me, let me let me poke a little bit here because uh you know I, I guess now looking back uh being you know in the state that we're in now with um you know, it being legalized for, you know, medical use and, and so forth. Um, it's less of a, there's less of a negative connotation with it now. It still is, but there's less now. Um, now, two wrongs don't make a right. So, yeah, I guess uh, the use of it was illegal. And Dave finding out about it and asking you to step down. Um, there's a... There's two different compartments here that we file this under. Like there's the there's the the legal side of it, and then there's the moral. You know, there are legal implications, and then there's there's the moral outlook on it. So, within the context, let's let's exclude let's exclude the the, the legalized part of it. Let's look at the morality of it. Dave asking you to step away from serving in student ministries. Now, I don't know what Dave knows about the lives of other people that volunteer and serve within his ministry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what you knew about others that were serving in the ministry. But one could argue, yeah. and I'm just, just, just poking the bear here, one yeah. could argue that he asked you to step away from serving and volunteering your time. Um, but there, were other, there, there could have been others in the ministry that maybe have other areas of struggle that maybe he knows about, maybe he doesn't know about. But they weren't asked to step away. First of all, what's, what's your response to that if someone were to bring that up and bring that to the table? What's your perspective on that uh, as of this moment, looking yeah. back? Like, was there any sort of uh, regret that you felt? Was there any sort of maybe you felt uh, I mishandled this as a leader? Or do you still stand by? Would you still make yeah. the same decision today? It's a good question. I feel that tension, like my heart's beating a little bit fast just thinking about like, because it's, I'm uncomfortable because I hate when I have to 
draw a line and say, I have to now ask you to not serve because of something I know about your life. Because for me, serving in ministry like our outpour, but also is so deeply connected to our relationship, which is so deeply connected to our shared spirit oneness with God, that it's how is my relationship with you going to stay strong and my like really feel, fe- feeling of oneness with you going to stay strong when I'm removing this vital aspect of serving together? Because the people that I feel closest with and I've experienced that, that deep connection of the body of Christ and that oneness in the spirit are people that I serve with, are friends with, and share like a spiritual side of our life with. Mm-hmm. So it's re- it's, it tears me up to have to remove that. But one line that I have drawn in ministry is for people that are in mentoring influential roles or upfront influential roles with students, they are held to a different level of accountability in their morality than somebody who is in a maybe a logistics functioning role. Uh, for somebody to serve on the welcome team, mm-hmm. you know, having a good welcome experience is different than somebody who is on the stage with a microphone, right? Somebody who serves in our cafe is different than somebody who is leading a small group or mentoring a kid, right? And so Mitchell being uh, up front with the microphone uh, MC, I was like, man, if could I say students emulate? Like he has a life worth, uh, he has a, a, a life worth uh, repeating. And when it got into the illegal use, that's when I had to, that's, that's where I drew the line, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that that didn't change my love for Mitchell, my, my trust in who he is as a person or my belief in who God's like growing mm-hmm. him to be. I just couldn't put him in a mentoring influential role with students. I think and that's, that's where our relationship. That's where I, I drew that line. That's interesting. I want to hear you say yeah. more about that. Uh, but I, it was like, but I struggle so much at drawing that line that I know there are people in those roles that I hesitate to pull them from those influential roles because it's not as black and white as illegal and legal. It's moral. And so like, how long do I let somebody struggle or like work through something? Do I think that they're trying to follow like what God wants for them and they're just like having a hard time staying committed to what they think is right? But when it's illegal use, that was something that I was like, okay, that makes the decision for me. I can, okay, that's gonna make the decision for me. Mm. But it, 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 it tore me up. Mm. Mitchell, you, you said, that it strengthened your relationship. Can you expound on that a little bit? I think they're just, it, it came to a point where there needed to be transparency. You know, like what, what brought the whole issue to attention was um, a Periscope. It was the last time. <laughs> you guys I, remember Periscope? It was, it was the last time I ever Periscope. <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully right? so. But um, did Jordan have a performance that night? Is that why you we, came out? We were all hanging out at the... Um, like Fells Point. Yeah, in Fells Point. Point. Yeah. Um, and then we split for the night. I went home <laughs> to be with uh, family and you guys... And we got to night. periscoping. <laughs> right. Um, but we went live on a periscope and there was a smoking accessory. There was a bong in the video. Uh-huh. And uh, there, was some, there was some inhaling, you know, going on. And so... 
first of all, that had to be addressed in our friendship. You know, I was like, yo, I saw your periscope, bro. Like, we need to talk about this. That like, was uncomfortable for me to bring up. Right? The live is on Wednesday, and we got we to spearhead this. Um, Knowing that some students follow... Yeah, I don't know. Have the I can't remember at this point if they were following you or if it was just a potential following. Yeah, Periscope yeah. was like you know it's not Facebook or like you know you know super duper popular and it was new, but the potential was there. You know that like hey, your reach somebody could be seeing this that shouldn't be seeing this. Um, so in the future, you were like you know if there's ever a point where you're you know clean and could pass a drug test and you want to come back, we could talk about it and. Um, so we had to have that transparent relationship and I knew I can't go back and unless I could pass a drug test, I wasn't going to fake it and just say, I won't, you know, I won't periscope it. And, and I don't think I said, I, I just remember, I don't think I was going to like make you pee in a cup. No, just like absolutely the relation, no, you, like no, just you the relational. Me. Yeah. You trusted me, yeah, but yeah. that's how serious I take it. You yeah, know, it's not like, it. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, be, I haven't smoked in three days and I'm going to go tell Dave I'm, I'm not smoking anymore, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I was like, you know, I got to be clean because it feels different. You know, I've done it. I've used cannabis for a long period of time and it takes 30 days to get out of your system. And if you're 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you physically feel different. Hmm. Yeah. Let's say Mitchell were to come to you after we wrapped here and was like, hey, I want to get back involved with serving. What would the position be? That's now? A, it's a really good question. I haven't considered it yet just because federally illegal yeah mm -hmm. locally legal and so there's this line that was very distinct before is now getting blurry and personally I have no clue why it's not legal for medical use if studies show and if you know it's it's seen as being very helpful for certain conditions what, what are we doing here right why are we crossing that off the list um, so for medical use that I don't, I personally wouldn't have any, any problem with that. Now, federal, state, legal issues, I just have to do some, I guess, personal soul searching on that and think of that for my, my own leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but if Mitchell were to come and say that to me, first thing I would be like, how can I get him back? Right? Because, yeah. you know, just... <laughs> knowing the influence that you can have in the way that your life models somebody who really um, is committed to seeing Christ lived out through you in an authentic way, I want students to emulate that 10 times over. Yeah. And the way that you can inspire a room of 200 people, 300 people, and what I would think a room of 1,000 people for you, I want students to be able to emulate that. I think the way that you um, care so deeply, the way that you encourage people, the way that you bring life to the people around you, I want students to emulate that. Like, Mitchell does have a life worth emulating. Like, he does have that, um, that ability to influence others in the best way possible. So my first thought would be, how can I get him back? Mm -hmm. And then it's just that wrestling through the the very real the very real reality of the fact that it is not yet legal federally in our country and i think it limits it limits us as a as a ministry because we're instructed 
you know, in Scripture to follow the, the law of the land. And that, I take that seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Live above reproach in that way. And Mitchell, you still maintain the same position where you do, do you, for obvious reasons, do you still respect that stance? Or do you feel like, well, I think you could be a little bit more lenient on it. Like, what's your take on it now? Like, do, do you, are you intending to, like, ride the wave of momentum that you see it possibly being legalized at some point? So is it silly to still kind of maintain the same position? Not silly. Okay. I understand it. Um, I get it. It's just if I had the power to, to make the laws different, you know, I see it one way. So I, I understand having to, you know, follow the rules. Um, and I say that from a position of somebody who's currently breaking the rules, you know, on a federal level. Um, I've just, I, I've made that decision for my personal life, but I can't hold anybody else to a standard saying you have to accept my decisions. Um, I know that this is, I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for Dave and Dante and the youth group and everyone else. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of like, be me, do me, see where God opens doors and be ready. Um, And where the doors aren't open, um, if it's somewhere I want to be, keep knocking. If it's somewhere that um, I'm not necessarily knocking, don't be naive if it opens. You know, like be ready to respond to where God wants you, um, but don't beat a dead horse if that's not where he's calling you. Mm. Um, So I think God's just guiding it. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with whatever he sets up in my way um, or, or sets aside. Yeah, right. Interesting stuff here, guys. I, I just am um, so... Um, I love that you have that approach um, and that, that mindset because I think that it's really easy for us to get sort of uh, defensive when it comes to uh, the personal choices that we make on a daily basis. When someone comes in opposition or disagreements with that, it's very, very easy to get defensive and to get, uh, to take it personal. I think the difference with Mitchell is um, what you just said, how you don't, you don't really desire to uh, impose on others what the choices that you make are, but you understand that what this certain area of my life with these decisions I'm making, uh, I understand how this could not be for someone else, nor am I going to force them to accept or to justify what I I feel justified on my end. I'm not gonna then force somebody else like Dave who has, uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, sort of you made the analogy of shepherding a flock of of students that he leads you know 100 kids every week come out uh he has very clear distinct responsibilities uh, with his full-time ministry with his full-time job his livelihood and how you know certain decisions that you make shouldn't necessarily impose upon that but i think that this is an interesting dynamic and conversation to have because I think that a lot of times, <clears throat> specifically talking about religion and, and the church, and even like taking into account the, uh, the, the case that made it all the way up to the Supreme Court with the, the bakers who refused to bake a cake for 
a homosexual wedding. I forgot what state it was in. It made it all the way up to the Supreme Court because I think that uh, what's ha- what, what could be happening is um, there, there could be, we run the risk of in certain instances and in certain you know, specific um, breakdowns of, of the way it goes, um, people that are just living their lives, making the decisions that they <clears throat> are entitled to make, that they have the liberty to make, whether that be a lifestyle choice or something that they choose to do in their home, in their free time, you have the freedom to do that. Then with this, um, some people may take it personal. You could have a different, you could have had a different reaction where this relationship could have been severed. If Dave came to you and was like, hey man, I saw your periscope uh, with you smoking, I can't have you around our students. You could have totally had a different response to that. It could have been combative, it could have been argumentative, and it could have, you know, you, you guys could have fallen out because of Dave coming to you, asking you to do what he did. So I think that for you guys to have the, uh, the perspective, the mindset, the mindset, and the respect for each other is a beautiful thing. And I think that I've been inspired listening to you two hash this out and talk through it because uh, it reminds me that um, however I feel about certain things, certain decisions, um, I have to be respectful of someone else in their position. And I think if the rest of the world responds to uh, disagreements in this way, I think that is probably the most um, crucial part when we talk about reconciliation. Because you guys listened to each other, you understood where the other was coming from. Dave, you mentioned you had that tension within you. Like, you know, you almost felt, you felt bad about it, but you had this very clear, distinct line in the sand of it was illegal, so that made it, that made it up for you. It didn't mean you didn't still have the tension. You wish you could change the law. You see the, the, the positive sides of, of marijuana use. You wish you could change certain things about the world, about the world's view on it, but yet, despite your personal feelings, you had respect for what his decision was. So I think that that's a, it's inspiring to listen to you guys, um, two different views on it, two different stances, but uh, how you were able to meet in the middle, I think is, um, I wish everyone dealt with things like that. And it's not always that easy. You know what it is? It's like, put God first. Like, we meet in faith, like founded in faith, meet at the cross. Like if you put God first, it might not always go your way, the situation you're in, but if you put God first, you're gonna get through it, you're gonna learn a lesson, you're gonna come out the other end better. And when you find other brothers that are doing that, it leads to friendships like this, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's not each situation, you know, like how you respond to it. It's if you put God first in everything, you're gonna be all right. Yeah. A lot of times we can label somebody by the thing that divides us. We take that label and that person becomes only that thing. And it's hard to have reconciliation when we label somebody only by the thing that separates. So the thing that unites all believers in Christ is our like united spirit, right? So that's exactly what you're getting to. And even beyond our, our unity and faith, 
if I see Mitchell as only this criminal, right? Punish, uh, get, put him through the system, make him pay, like, and you only view somebody through that criminal lens when he gets out of his punishment, he is then a former criminal, or you know, he still has that criminal label, and that follows somebody for the rest of their life. And it can destroy a person when you label them with only the thing that divides. And, but my friendship with Mitchell is, allows me to see all those, those multiple identifiers, those multiple labels of all the things that I love about him and what, um, what makes him somebody that is uh, this, this multi-dimensional, this person I have so much to relate with that he doesn't just see me as the label of the one that kicked him out, right? And I don't just see him through the label as the one that's doing this illegal thing. There's so much more. So it, labels can really get us in trouble. Yeah, big time. Wow. Any final words, gentlemen? Mitchell, thanks for coming on and yeah. sharing, sharing the story. And, uh, thanks for shedding light to topics like this. I yeah. love the podcast. I love what you guys do. Um, I like binge listened. <laughs> and uh, I, I think it's awesome that you asked me to be here. So thank you guys. Yeah, you bet. Well, we like this to be a place where we can talk about things that most people never get a chance to really get into a deep conversation about. Because a lot of times we either, our emotions, we get overwhelmed with emotion, or maybe we don't have the relationship that allows us to get this intense into a conversation. Uh, so hopefully everybody who's listening can benefit from just the, the relational side of conversations like this, where it's it's real life. It's not just um, not just bullet points or uh, trying to set two opposing sides against each other. But if this is real life, so I dig it. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, it's been good, guys. Good yeah. talk. Appreciate you. Do it, Dave. Adios. Yeah.